you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Because this is one of the places where God tells us about how we're supposed to do family. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This is God's word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This passage starts out with, children, obey your parents. That would suggest that children ought to have parents. They're not just really ready to decide in elementary school or pre-K or toddler class what they're supposed to be and do in life. Bill Maher suggested just recently that, and I'm not a huge Bill Maher fan, but it's been nice to hear him saying a lot of sane things recently. Um, Bill Maher suggested that if children were really in a position to decide what they want to be when they grow up, the world would be filled with princesses and cowboys. And he said, when I was that age, I wanted to be a pirate. I'm really glad my parents didn't arrange for me to have one eye gouged out and one leg amputated. Amen, Bill. Children need parents, and they're supposed to obey them. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, what if your parents are trying to get you to do something that you should not do because God says it's wrong? Obey them in the Lord. Don't do whatever your parents say, but if it's not disobedience to God to obey your parents, then when you're a child, you need to obey your parents. It's time to go to bed. Um, I'm sorry, but I have not heard from God. Yes, you just did. Okay? God says, obey your parents, and I'm telling you it's time to go up to bed. Now, if mom or dad is saying, create a distraction over here so that I can steal these items, no. Back in the days when not everyone had a cell phone, one of the most common occurrences, even in church families, sadly, was the phone rings and the parent says, if it's so-and-so, tell them I'm not here. Parents teaching their children to lie for them. Well, you know, I mean, I just didn't want to talk to that person. Then don't answer the phone. Well, no, it might be somebody else. We didn't even have caller ID, did we? Folks, 
God intended for children to grow up with parents and for parents to look to him as to how we're supposed to rear our children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Well, what does it mean, exasper- exa- what? If you exasperate your kids, it means you just make them breathlessly frustrated. Okay, <laughs> he's driving me nuts. Some parents do that. I don't want to do that. How do I avoid that? Well, you avoid that. Instead, it says, bring them up in the NIV says training and instruction in the Lord. Do you know how that word training is better translated? I'm going to give you my translation. It's not original with me. Some of you will find it familiar. Bring them up in the discipline. The discipline an admonition of the Lord. Now, admonition, instruction, is putting them in mind. You're putting something into the mind of your kids. You're giving them instruction. But this training involves discipline. We don't use that in the NIV because it's, discipline is kind of viewed as a negative thing. Okay? I mean, discipline. Who wants discipline? Discipline sounds uncomfortable. Discipline sounds like I might not get what I want. The Bible talks about self-discipline, and we have trouble with that. But if somebody else is supposed to discipline us, that's really hard. The Bible actually says that if you fail to discipline your children, you hate them. Why? Because it's needed. There's got to be grace, and grace is never earned. But folks, grace is not cheap. It's costly. God doesn't forgive us on the basis of our deserving to be forgiven. But in order for God to forgive us, Jesus took our punishment. He took our punishment because we deserved to be punished. My dad did not have to hit me in order to get my attention. All he had to do was look at me. Okay? My dad had eyebrows. And if he looked at me in a certain way, I mean, I'm sorry. If you want to disagree with my parents when I was growing up, your words began with the phrase, I beg your pardon. Why? Because there was a recognition on the front end that I know I'm not in charge, you are. But I was wondering if I could ask, da 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 da. Well, Pastor Wood, you must have grown up in a terribly repressive environment. I'll just tell you this. I thank God that my parents diligently set boundaries because what it taught me among other things was that they loved me if they said don't touch that it's hot they weren't lying they were trying to prevent me from being burned and learning to trust them when they set boundaries and enforced them taught me that when God sets boundaries 
and enforces them, it is not because he's grouchy, it is because he loves me and he is preventing me from experiencing worse injury by violating some of his other laws. Does that make sense? The reason God says don't do that is not because God's just trying to keep us from having a good life. That was Satan's lie in the garden. You will not surely die. God just knows that if you eat the fruit, you'll be like him. God's trying to keep you down. Keep you from being all you can be. Go ahead, eat the fruit. Don't believe God. Don't trust his word. Do what looks good. Do what appeals to you. It appeals to your flesh. It appeals to your pride. Go for it. He's still using the same lie today. And people are still going for it. But let me tell you something. When a parent disciplines their child, should be out of love for that child, not because the parents are just irritable. Folks, let me take just a moment to encourage you to go on the internet and visit the website of Wares Valley Ranch. It's a very easy address, just wvr.org. For over 20 years, the ranch has provided a loving home environment for children who have a problem that they did not create. It may be a health crisis on the part of a parent or even the death of a parent. Often, it's the death of a marriage, leaving a single parent who's struggling to care for the children while working one or more jobs in order to provide for their support. Sometimes, it's a parent who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction, or even a case where one or both parents are in prison. But these children are not the problem. They're not delinquents. They're simply caught in a difficult circumstance. I hope you'll help us provide these little ones with the opportunity for hope and healing in a Christ-centered environment. Please visit wvr.org in order to learn more and in order to help. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand The discipline, which is an aspect of training, and the instruction, putting in mind, of the Lord. Hmm. You know, we need homes where that's taking place. And it doesn't always happen in church. A father should be a provider, a protector, a teacher. But a father's job ultimately is to work himself out of a job. I like being able to do things for the people I love. God does wonderful things for us. He gives good gifts to his children. But if I'm not careful... I can cripple my children by teaching them to depend on me instead of on God. My father, when I was a preschooler, talked with me about how butterflies develop the strength to fly. 
It involves working hard to get out of the cocoon. If you see them struggling and you say, I'm going to help them. And so you carefully slice that thing open so that it didn't have to struggle to get out. It's not going to fly away. It can't fly away. It doesn't have the strength in its wings to fly away. It turns out that kind of like doing push-ups is a good exercise. Struggling to get out of that cocoon is what builds the strength in those wings to carry that butterfly into the sky. He said, if you try and help it, you're hurting it. I remember that. And I've seen that principle played out in too many lives, tragically. Part of a parent's job is work yourself out of a job. Teach your kids not to be depending on you, but to be depending on God. I thought he was going to say, uh, depend on themselves. No! No! They need to depend on God. You and I will not always be able to help our kids, and our kids will not always be able to help themselves. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Because God will always do what is best, and he can turn water into wine. He can take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000 men plus women and children and have food left over after everyone ate and was satisfied. God can do whatever is needed because he is the one who spoke the universe into being. He still has all power. And if our kids learn to depend on him, then we've done well. I need for my children to trust and obey their Heavenly Father. But this involves training them, disciplining them, and giving them instruction. So what's the methodology here? Well, I want to suggest three things to you that you can hopefully remember because they all start with a T, okay? The first one is time. Time matters. You can't just talk to your kids occasionally, okay? Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is he saying? He's saying from morning to night, it's all day, whether you get up to go somewhere or whether you're sitting there, whether you're walking along the road, wherever you are, you are to be always in the mode of instructing your children in the Lord. Teaching them to remember what God has said. Time is what it takes if we're going to be effective as fathers and mothers, by the way. But not only time matters, Tone matters. 
Is this musical? No, take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Did you hear that? That's a description inspired by the Holy Spirit of how a father deals with his own children if he's doing it God's way. What does discipline and instruction look like? Well, it involves encouraging, comforting, and urging them to live lives worthy of God. I was blessed with a father who set a very high standard. But I never had anybody in my family who was more encouraging to me than my dad. Never had anybody in my family who was more comforting to me when I felt like I'd blown it. But dad was there. And he knew that there was going to be another day tomorrow. And that you're going to get another opportunity. So don't quit. Keep trying. I believe you can do this. Tone matters. Discipline your kids? Yes. Destroy them? Demolish them? Denigrate them? No. Encourage them. Comfort them. And urge them to live a life that is worthy of the calling that they have received. Time matters. Tone matters. Third T, team matters. Parents, plural. This is supposed to be a team. Do you know one of the best gifts you can give to your kids for their emotional security? Let them see a mom and a dad who love each other, who are not competitors with each other. They're on the same team with each other. All of us, all of us fall short. That's why we need a Savior. But don't act as if falling short really doesn't matter. There is no standard. I mean, come on. Let's just get real. Let's do get real. God is the one who gives us life and breath. And he's the one who tells us in his word, Old and New Testament, how we're supposed to do this thing called family. And so when we fall short, we don't blow it off, we repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that right. You say to your spouse, I'm sorry, I I didn't handle that right. You say to your child, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that right. You walk humbly with your God. Our job, work ourselves out of a job. By teaching our children to trust and obey their Heavenly Father. Okay, Pastor, you've talked about the ideal, but, you know, there are a lot of single parents out there, and they're doing the best they know how. What are we supposed to do about them? So glad you asked. Because God commands us, as his body, to show his love for folks who are in that situation. We are supposed to care for the fatherless. That's what this ministry is about. 
But it's also supposed to be what our lives are about. We're here to serve, not to be served. And one of the groups that God is especially attuned to is widows and orphans. We have a lot of people in our culture who have been widowed, not because their spouse died, but because their spouse abandoned them. We've got a lot of people who have had to flee from horrible, abusive situations. We have a lot of people who want desperately to have a healthy home. But not only do they not have a cooperative spouse, they may have never even seen it modeled. I'm not suggesting that we become judgmental toward those folks. I'm suggesting that we become an ideal model as best we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most touching experiences of my ministry was when I was 37 years old and a man in his 70s who had achieved acclaim and fortune and power came to see me because I had announced my resignation from that church to come up here and work with Susan to start the ranch. He said, I know you have to do what God tells you, but I feel like I'm losing my father all over again. And he proceeded to tell me about when he was a boy and he thought his father was great. His father was a small town sheriff, kind of like Andy of Mayberry. And he said, I was riding with him in the patrol car. We were headed for home. It was at night, and there was a car broken down partway into the road. And my dad pulled off on the side of the road and went to check on the driver. And another car came over the hill and hit him. And I ran to him, and he died right there with his head in my lap. And he said, it left a huge hole in my heart. And he said, and I've missed having a father until you came here. He said, you've been a father to me. I was utterly shocked. He had never shared that story before. And if you had asked me to describe my relationship with this man, I would have told you that I looked to him as a mentor in many areas. But you see, it turns out my love for him and my stand for truth was something that reminded him of a younger man that he had known who was his dad. And so he looked to me as a father. You have the opportunity to bless other people that you may not even realize you're impacting if you will simply be what God has called you to be and do what God has called you to do. If I had gone to that man when I first came to that church and said, hey, heard you lost your dad years ago. I just want you to know I'm there for you. 
That would have been the end of our relationship. What a presumptuous thing that would have been on my part. But simply loving him and serving him as his pastor, which is what I was called to do, had been what God used in order to bless him in a way that he needed. You can do that too. You don't have to be the pastor. You just need to be an example of somebody who loves Jesus and points people to him. And you will impact more lives than you imagine. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.